Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, evening, middle of the night, wherever you are. We have everyday innovators across the globe listening in and using the insights and the lessons and the stories that they hear in this podcast to innovate on their side, to influence and make an impact. I could not be more excited for, I think, the impact all of you are making across the globe. And today, I have one of those everyday innovators with me that I know you are going to love. So, Duncan, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and the world that you're in. Thank you. Yeah, I'm a private practice child and adolescent psychologist. I'm also a leader within a nonprofit called Forging Youth Resilience, formerly known as Steve's Club. So will you tell the world a little bit about FIRE and Forging Youth Resilience and what it does so people have, because I think that's going to be the basis for the rest of my questions going forward. Yeah, so FIRE is an organization that reduces barriers to fitness, nutrition, mentorship, uh, connection with disadvantaged or less advantaged youth, um, and really just tries to pull them into better life situations, or at least provide the kind of support that enables them to, to get into better situations, both mentally, physically, all around health. So I think that the work that FIRE does is really important. And in full disclosure, because anyone out there who's listening who knows me knows, I'm on the board here in Denver. And it's part of the reason why I know kind of what's happening and why it's so innovative and why I want to have Duncan on the board, uh, on the board, (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) Wrong Zoom meeting. Um, uh, Will you break down for me? Because I think that like what FIRE does is really important. It's been a challenging couple of years. Now we're kind of looking to the future of where we're headed. What are some of those challenges that you have faced and how have you overcome them as an organization? Yeah, I think like everyone, we've faced uh, challenges from the pandemic. And for us, it really meant that we weren't able to hold in-person classes for a while. We pivoted to uh, online Zoom workout kind of things. But it's, it's not great that way. It's much better to have your crew and your people around you um, kind of sharing the struggle of a workout and achieving gains and doing all that in a more connected way. So that was certainly a challenge. I think the, the broader challenge that we face, however, is more convincing people that the health and wellness of less advantaged youth is something that is worth fighting for in a really big way and something that if we don't get right, we'll have downstream consequences uh, for what we look like as a city, a country, a people. So um, I'm not sure we've overcome that challenge, certainly. I think there's still a lot more to do, but I think we've made significant headway into just raising awareness um, and providing a model that that actually works um, and can do a significant amount of good for for the youth in our program. So this is a bit of a leading question. Will you talk a little bit about why that's so important to fight for? And because this is where I think the innovation, the creativity comes in, what you think the kids truly gain out of engaging with a program like this, to your point, is wellness, nutrition, goals focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's worth 
fighting for because um, we know from research that kids with adverse childhood experiences and um, those with multiple adverse childhood experiences, uh, they have a 20-year less life expectancy. So it matters a lot just in how many years that human is on the planet. So it matters at an individual level. I think it also matters in a huge way um, as sort of how we operate as a collective. So we also know that kids who are coming from toxic stress environments or disadvantaged environments um, also can go on to have significant physical health consequences um, in terms of the rate of heart disease, for example, in terms of all sorts of downstream uh, impacts that really affect our healthcare system, affect their ability to work and thrive and, and live lives that are contributing, but also fulfilling. Um, and I think that that broader reason um, is kind of what, what pulls us along and why we're doing what we're doing. So providing protective factors against uh, these sort of toxic stress environments or trauma-inducing environments and making sure the youth that are through no fault of their own, often ex exposed to just really difficult circumstances. So what do we do when we know that's where they're coming from? Um, I think first and foremost, we find a nurturing environment where they can thrive, where they can develop strength, not only in terms of what they can lift and how they can do workouts, but in terms of how they can develop and and their character and their connection to others and the group that supports them and um, provide them a different basis to, to live from um, and eventually thrive. That's our hope. Um, I got two questions for you, Duncan, that may seem like tangents, but they're kind of brought up from a couple of things that you said that are really important. Um, one is, will you talk a little bit about what you've seen as the correlation between focusing on a fitness program, kind of an all-encompassing fitness program, but also that you just kind of alluded to the mental part of it, right? And what they get out of it. And I mean, I, I've seen some of these kids, right? I've seen them go from shy in the corner, afraid of life, um, not believing in themselves to, to being incredible young adults who are out in the world doing what they love or trying and exploring and living life in a way that I don't think they saw that was possible before, but that was from lifting a, lifting a barbell helped that happen. So can we just talk about that correlation of what you've seen? Because I, I, I think it's really important for all of us to understand that. Yeah, I think it's it's one thing to to go up to a kid and say, "Hey, believe in yourself, right? You can you can do better. You can do what you want to in this world. Nothing needs to hold you back. You got this, right?" And that's wonderful lip service. I think it's quite a different thing to provide a context within which they can be faced with a challenge that they believe they are not capable of of completing, and get them to the other side of it in a way where they can look back on it and say, I did that. Like there's no, there's no refuting that. There's no second guessing that they actually accomplished something and they were provided with the kind of support that made them succeed perhaps, but it was their effort and they got there and starting to believe in that kind of um, self-empowerment or that kind of confidence is, is huge because it can generalized to other decisions they're making throughout their day or can 
impact what they choose to do within relationships or how they choose to be in the world. And again, it's from that experience rather than from convincing them through sort of verbal persuasion that they're they're capable of it. All right, Doug, and I just have to say, so I'm smiling big if you see this on video at all, but part of that is because I know that's true and I've seen it and I, I don't think there's anything more powerful for anyone who feels left behind in some way or is left behind in some way than experiencing what they're actually capable of. And there's such a big difference between talk and doing. And I think that that is a huge lesson for all of us in anything that we're trying to change in our world. And whether that's working with youth the way you do and the way I do, or if it's moving an idea forward, that's going to change the game for your family, for your business, whatever. There's such a big difference with, you know, the motivational speech versus getting out there and going, oh my gosh, I actually, I did that. And it may be small, but that small, right? All those little smalls start to add up to something big. Um, I feel like you answered my next question, which was just, I just was curious to hear you kind of talk a little bit about why you spend so much time doing this. So you have a whole business. In fact, I'm looking at you in your office, like you're a pretty busy dude, but you spend a ridiculous amount of time on fire. <laughs> so, you know, and have, and have done a lot to move it forward. So I just, if you were to sum up like, Hey, Tamara, look, this is, this is why I'm so passionate about this. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I think it's the the realization that we have to turn the ship somehow. The ship that we're all in, the way we're sort of the direction we're heading. Um, and I put so much time into it because I believe this is one way in which I can help turn the ship that's meaningful to me. Maybe others looking in don't see it that way, but the impact, the sort of public health crisis that stems from toxic stress, from trauma environments, from adverse childhood experiences, the the bigger picture of it is worth all the effort I can give it and uh, um, so much more. And outside the pandemic, I, it's not an understatement to, or it's not an overstatement to say that it's the greatest public health crisis we face. So yeah, it needs all of us. It, it needs as much as I can give it. And if along the way I can convince some other people to, to work alongside me toward it, great, let's go. There's, there's lots to be done. Well, and I, I mean, you know this about me and I don't, I don't often share it, but you know, I had a, I had a somewhat rough childhood at times and made some bad decisions that put me down a bad path. I'd love to blame my parents, but the truth is they were my decisions. Uh, but, you know, the one man, his name was Frank Scalarcio. He was a martial arts instructor. He owned a dojo. He's the one that really turned my ship around. So I think the power of one person or a couple coaches believing in you can make all the difference in anyone's life anywhere, you know, and I know that firsthand because he was the one that made me go, oh, I can, I actually can do something different or, hey, I'm not that I can be this over here, which is what I really want to be. I just don't know how to get there, you know, so right. it's so powerful. Um and that's borne out not just in anecdotal evidence like you have, but in actual research. So we know that a single positive adult who believes in a child can absolutely change things for them. And we see it time and time again within FIRE. Um, kids who, for whatever reason, have stopped connecting to their parents in a way that leaves their parents with room for a positive influence over them or the influence that they were receiving from their parents wasn't very positive to begin with. And they connect with our program and suddenly they're surrounded by adults, coaches, people who can mentor them through a pivotal time in life. 
And that connection is one of the biggest protective factors we know. And yeah, the unconditional support that we provide, the um, time and time again, coming back to what they need and how we can further their path in life is it just, yeah, it works. And so, yeah, I huge believer in doing what works. Yeah, it, well, it really does work. And it's the power of having a, a mentor or a champion. It doesn't have to be a mentor, just someone in your corner who's like, yeah, you got this. And I'm going to hold you accountable for moving forward too, right? There's a little bit of supportive, but with a sense of, I don't want to call it tough love because I feel like it's an overused cliche, but with a sense of like, you can do this and I believe in you and you are going to go do it, right? You lift the barbell, like you said, and then that barbell leads to other things. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. The, the notion of tough love, I think people um, interpret that as they want to. I, I tend to come at it from an angle that it's not bootstraps and pulling harder. That's going to get these kids somewhere else. It's this unwavering belief in the fact that they can and holding on to that. And especially in moments where they don't buy it, they don't think it's possible. And that's one of the biggest roles of the adults within our program is just never stepping away from that. They absolutely can do that. And then that they get to prove to themselves over time. And that's pretty powerful by itself. So maybe this whole conversation is the answer to my next question. But the question is, what what's a big win or something you're most proud of? Yeah, so we and what Denver is doing with FIRE, uh, we're able to position ourselves financially, organizationally, and otherwise to eventually provide college scholarships for a couple of our athletes. And for a small nonprofit, uh, it really was a huge win. Um, And just connected this past week with one of those athletes in terms of directing that funding toward their college. But to think that some little nonprofit little program that, you know, is about sort of doing the workouts together could eventually lessen the burden that they have financially toward doing college, learning more, all that um, was, was really a huge win. Um, and, and something that I think will have amazing impact on, on their life as they complete college and keep stepping. And correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the way they came up, that came about wasn't just because it was a good thing to do. It is, but also because the challenge that kept coming up was um, how do we stay with our athletes after they transition out of the program? It's like a cliff. We were hitting a cliff. Suddenly we were done. So how do we creatively think about ways to support them? Like we've lifted them up. So how do we then support them moving forward? Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it remains one of our our challenges. And we have uh, board members and volunteers who reach out and stay connected over texts or, you know, keep that personal touch on things just because we've grown so close to a couple of these or more than a couple, several of these athletes. So, yeah, that was the the way to do it materially investing in their future, um, as well as that personal connection, which we strive to keep as well. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on with Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. 
Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff Zoe is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. I do think so. I, I don't, you know, we're kind of going through this little section quickly, but I, I do think that there's a lot of lesson in how you think differently about staying connected with, um, with the youth, the way you've done it, because we've got that, you've got kind of like a little bit of an alumni program going on. I think the other thing that I'd love to have you talk about for a second is the, I don't know if this is the right language to use on the national level, but the student council or the way the youth athletes interact to help give feedback and advice and how you guys came up with that and, and how that's worked for you. Because all of those, I think, are not your traditional approach to nonprofit world. True. And I think it's from the recognition that, you know, those actions matter. So to say to some youth that you you believe in them or you value their opinion is again sort of lip service but to have them on the board of directors or to start the youth advisory council at the national level um, is incorporating their ideas and also being really humble and open to feedback about how we can actually do this better they've been through our program they know how it works um, and they know how it can work even better for for other youth so why not incorporate that opinion in a very meaningful, powerful kind of way. I, I, this is a total offshoot story, but Duncan, what you're saying just reminded me of this and it's, it's nothing to do with youth and how it actually has to do with soda, but, and I won't name the company, but let's just say I was in a meeting with a company that really wanted to hit the youth market, get them out there, right. Get their product out there. And everybody in the room, I was super junior and, you know, I'm a Gen Xer. So I grew up in the ranks of you don't talk until you're at the leadership level. It's a whole different world now, but back then, right. Like I was lucky to even be in the meeting to take notes. So I think I was, I don't know, 25 at the time, but everybody in the room was over 50 and they're like, yeah, youth love this. Yeah. Youth love that. And they made all these decisions and then the campaigns bombed no surprise, right? But it kind of what you're saying reminds me of how often we make decisions about things without the real input of the people who are impacted by it, know it, have gone through it. Um, that makes me laugh. I haven't thought about that in a long time. But so I really commend the fact that you you actually 
don't have students there just as a focus group, right? It's not lip service that you really, they really do have a say and are engaged in how the program happens overall. Right. And the, the shock on some of their faces when they realize that they're in a decision-making capacity for the organization as a whole. Uh, and going through the rebrand we did to change from Steve's Club to FIRE, um, multiple times we were going back to our youth and saying, Yo, what do you think? This, is, this sounds great to us, but if it doesn't resonate with you, we're sunk. So but please those- tell us, right? The number of times I've seen those decisions made in the conference room without the input of the people who it impacts, it's it's a little bit dumbfounding how many times that happens, right? And then it's like, when you start making decisions, when you say, they love this, they don't like, you know, you've got a problem because they are not in the room (laughs) with you. So that is the lesson for all of us um, here as well. And I do feel like if I were to sum up the theme of our our conversation, Duncan, there's, it's, it's about the... Um, there's a difference between hearing it and doing it, right? There's a difference between knowing that intellectually and actually experiencing it. And I think that's a really powerful lesson that FIRE has has really embraced and how they've gone to market and how they've served the youth. And I'd say part of the reason why it's been so successful is because there's no wall between the youth that we serve and the adults kind of, you know, behind the scenes making the stuff happen, so to speak. For sure. And every summer we get the chance to see it broken down even more so that we're all in it together. We have this week-long camp that we're doing and sort of the best youth from around the country uh, apply and come to this camp and we're right in there with them, right? Like the there is not a great difference. We certainly have leaders and that kind of thing, but the youth are empowered to, to lead themselves and all being on the same ground and seeing each other sort of straight in the face and um, being eye to eye in that way is hugely impactful, not just on the youth, but on the adults who are there as well. Yeah. Well, every adult I've talked to has gone has been like, I just can't describe it. So that just tells you, right. What's something innovative that you've done that you think has helped you guys succeed, stand out, move forward? Yeah, I think we've really embraced this notion that in order to um, make a significant impact more broadly, we need to understand the impact of uh, toxic stress and do what we're calling trauma-informed coaching. We're by no means the the first to adopt this kind of model, but the evidence is just really overwhelming. And to take someone who, you know, maybe they own a gym and they have some youth that show up to their class and advance that person to the level where they really, in a deep and intricate way, understand the backgrounds that their youth are coming from changes the game a bit because I think we all have had an experience where we're coached by someone who's just kind of a, I don't know, a blowhard has a lot to say and is just screaming and yelling and taking things personally and getting put off by an athlete and, you know, just taking it out on them or, or whatever. And there's some methodology to coaching that couldn't be further from what's helpful or needed for these youth. And I think we get at the better coaching, the better ways of raising up youth by educating our our coaches and making sure they understand fully what kind of relationship they need to have with that youth to give them better opportunities. Like if they want a better athlete, they want someone who's a better agent in the world in terms of what they're doing, better character, whatever it is, they have to form that kind of relationship that's protective of them, that the kid will keep wanting to come back to that kind of thing. 
So I think that's innovative in our space for sure. Well, and I love that because, you know, there's a, well, I love it for a couple of reasons, but one is it's taking the the needs of the youth, right? Our customers, so to speak, and actually adjusting how we operate, how you operate to make that happen. And on top of that, I do, I agree, especially when I, I think it comes to fitness, wellness, health programs, it's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's probably relatively easy to get a coach in there who knows fitness or nutrition or, you know, whatever the, the technical skills of that are the base of the program. It's another thing to make sure they have that layer of knowledge that helps them connect with the kiddos. Because like you said, they're coming from a lot of different places. For sure. And within our programs, I think it makes a huge difference because you potentially have a coach who doesn't take things personally, who looks at a situation and asks themselves, you know, what does this kid need instead of, why are they being such a jerk or whatever? And I think it opens so many more doors for these youth to, again, hang on to this idea that they have it within them to, to be different, to change direction in life, to do something new that they've never done before and never believed they could. Yeah. And I think, too, that um, for a lot of them, you know, they've had a lot of adults in their lives being like, you can do it, you can do it. And then here we come in, we're another group saying the same thing. I think that's a challenge anytime. Um you, you're kind of coming in to try to, you know, support somebody else is they've like, they've heard it before. So we've got to show up and prove it every single time, which is not bad, but it just means that you got to meet them where they are, not where you are. Right. And the youth we work with have been let down multiple times by adults in their lives and generally show up to our classes, believing that, you know, this, why should they invest? This is going to be another letdown. This person who says they really care or are hopeful about my future. I've heard it all before and they're, they're going to drop me at some point or they're going to disappoint me or let me down at some point. And it's positioning those coaches to say, hey, this is exactly where the rubber meets the road. This is where the difference is made. Stay leaned in, stay engaged, even when they push back, even when they frustrate you or they cause a problem in class or whatever that is, that's not about you, the coach, right? Like that is, that can't be something you did. How do we keep them engaged in a way that keeps this program meaningful for that youth? I just think that is great advice for all of us trying to, so we're trying to influence people to make change. That's really what we're trying to do. And at least what fire is trying to do. And I think a lot of us are trying to do that in our worlds in different ways and what a great reminder of like, hey, just remember the baggage people come to the table with. You're not the first to try to convince them of something. So just remember and just be aware of that. Like, hey, they're coming with 10 years of baggage of some kind or another and just meet them where they are today and know that they're carrying that skepticism, jaded, whatever it is, as they should forward with them. So I just think that's a great lesson. So Duncan, I just want to highlight this for a minute before I get to my next question, which is what type of everyday innovator you are. And I thought it was so interesting when I got your results because I was like, of course, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, so Duncan is a futuristic inquisitive. And for everybody listening, let me just kind of explain what that means. And we have all different styles on the show, which is, is kind of cool because you hear different angles from and perspectives from all of them because we all think differently. And your everyday innovator style is really how you're wired to innovate. So you're a futuristic inquisitive. So that means 
the futuristic is all about forest through the trees, but t- today's problems are tomorrow's opportunities. You're really good at seeing impact, which interestingly you opened up talking about the impact of where we are today. So futuristics are all about Tomorrowland, like they can get us to the next place um, and work backwards. And inquisitive is all about deep asking questions, challenging assumptions, um, innovations in the questions, not the answers. So that means for Duncan, it's forward and deep innovation that you bring to the table. And I thought that was super interesting because when I think about what you've done with fire and how you've looked around you and said, we need to change things, right? I see the future and here's what we need to do. And then asking those questions that have gotten to new ways of doing things. It was interesting to see it come together. Yeah, it's it's interesting for me to know the, re- the results of that, <laughs> kind of how that fits, but I think it does fit. Um, I think... Yeah, it's hard for me to lead life in a way where I can kind of see the direction the train is heading. And if it's not on a good path, not want to put every fiber of my being into changing its direction. So, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, it's interesting. Futuristics, what I've come to realize is make, like you were just saying, make decisions based on what's going to happen next, not what's happening right now. Um, and that's really powerful in innovation because it tend, things tend to be a little bit more meaningful, lasting, because you're, you know, you're already 10 steps ahead of the rest of us. Um, given uh, your futuristic inquisitive, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators out there of all types trying to really do what you've done, which is innovate and make, an, make a big impact in the world? Yeah, I think it'd be to find very personalized ways to get people uh, aligned with you toward the same outcome. So I've I've definitely connected with people who I show them how passionate I am about fire and they're like, great, I'm on board. And I've certainly run into people where I show that similar passion and they're like, you're a dreamer, right? Like you're, you're just off on a different planet. You're not based in reality. I don't know what you're talking about. But those same people have... A, a reason to contribute to an organization like FIRE. I just have to find out what it is. And I have to get to know them well enough to align our goals and say, that thing that you care about so much, cost of healthcare, for example, whatever it is, um, we have a pretty great fix for that. And at least for the youth that are within our program, we have a great reason to be on our side and help develop it into a bigger program because it does have a downstream impact on all of us. Just some people don't connect the dots that way. So my advice would be whatever you're passionate toward, whatever that end is, find that personalized way of of getting someone aligned with those goals because chances are the the outcomes connect, the dots connect in a way that um, is meaningful for them. I really appreciate that because I think all too often we try to push our ideas onto other people because of what we're passionate about. And to your point, some people are there with us. So that's easy. And what I think the mistake we make is we only try to find people who are there with us. And then we lose, I think, a broader, more 360 perspective of what we're trying to do that would actually help us. I think it actually strengthens us. So I love what you're saying about, hey, we'll find what the person on the other side of the table is passionate about and where it aligns. And then maybe that passion, the differences in the passion can actually move everything else forward. So my last question for you is personal. What is one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you? Oh, boy. Um, I think just that 
I, I come from a, a place of care and concern for youth and um, maybe it's not incredibly surprising, but that's also kind of what's been in my history and has been important to me that my, uh, my past includes people that I'm trying to be in the future, similar to um, the coach that you had, Tamara, um, and that that's so critical in terms of ripple effect out uh, for being that person in, in other people's lives. So it, it's, it comes from a deeply personal place for me, and maybe that's um, for folks who don't see things just on the surface level, not incredibly surprising. Um, but it also, it doesn't need to be a background of incredible risk or incredible uh, disadvantage or, or whatever. It can just be a background of knowing what works for youth and knowing what can better somebody else's life and, and staying committed to that. And to your point, right, seeing the train wreck coming and going, we got to fix this. Right. Maybe train wreck is overstated, but it does feel like we're headed to something. So there, there are train wrecks. <laughs> Duncan, thank you so much. I, I let me just say, you know, I appreciate, I so appreciate, really, truly, deeply, the work that you do at Fire and what Fire does for the community. I mean, it's why I'm involved in it. It's why so many people across the U.S. are involved in it. Um, is because of that. But I, I appreciate really the insights too, because I think there's a lot of value in understanding not just the why but the how and the creativity that comes along with that, because you are dealing with a very delicate balance of challenges and opportunities and bringing those together is not always easy. So thank you for all of that. Sure. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I appreciate being able to be on the podcast and appreciate all your effort toward the same end. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listeners, listens bigger impact until next time